Okay, so the advantage we have today is that we just sang these two songs. So uh, you're, you're familiar with the words. Uh, I want to bring out some points and I'm going to edit this down so that we can keep it in time. Hymnology is really an important part of worship and of spiritual formation. And the Apostle Paul in Ephesians and in Colossians tells us to speak to one another, uh, teach one another, and admonish one another with psalms and hymns and spiritual songs. Singing with thankfulness to the God, to, to God. So what we're doing really is we're not only reinforcing each other, but we're interacting in the praise of God. So communal singing of hymns and songs is central to communal worship. And it reinforces our faith. The lyrics of the song lock into our minds and our hearts and they connect us to each other and to God. In fact, I think hymns and songs do more to inform our theology than most sermons and Bible studies. Uh, I've told you before that uh, when I first met Chuck Smith before the Calvary Chapel era, um, he had the New Testament memorized and most of the Old Testament. And we would just start a verse and he would just keep going until we stopped him. And I asked him one day, I said, how did you do that? And he said, I put it to simple tunes. By, by singing, you remember, those, you remember those things. Because songs stick in our mind, um, well, my regret is that my brain is filled with rock and roll lyrics. <laughs> I've tried to make up for that in uh, memorization of scripture. But because songs stick in us more easily... It's really vital that the hymns and praise songs that we sing uh, don't water down our theology and don't poorly affect the spiritual formation of our children. So I think it's critical that we retain the great hymns and songs of the faith that have come down through the centuries, but also glean the best from the contemporary songs. And I think, uh, I think um, Pastor Jeff is doing a great job of trying to do that and bring some of the Messianic songs in and other contemporary songs. So today we're going to examine two. We've just sung them, Beneath the Cross of Jesus and When I Survey the Wondrous Cross. These two um, are part of the songs of the cross that I think are, are critical. So this first one, is one of my favorites, Beneath the Cross of Jesus. I, I, there was a choral version of this song that was just incredible that uh, we did in the uh, Mid-Cities Choir when I was the music director there. I've always wished I could find a recording of that arrangement. It's just gorgeous. It was written by Elizabeth Clefane, uh about three years before she died, and she died at the age of 39. This was back in 1869. So three years later, this song gets published as a group of poems in a Scottish Presbyterian magazine. Um, one of the commentators on her said that these uh, writings were written on the very edge of life with, a be with the better land fully in view of faith. People who suffer people who mourn, people who grieve, with faith, who have hopeful mourning, 
rather than hopeless mourning. There is something about the suffering that lets them drop things away that would encumber them and focus on the eternal. I think that's really important. Uh, Frederick Meyer then wrote the tune St. Christopher, which is the tune for this. I think that's um, interesting because the, the saint idea there is of one who is helping. Uh, and it became the setting for the lyrics. So I want to look at these just briefly. Um, Beneath the cross of Jesus, I fain would take my stand. This opening line establishes the essence of the hymn. At the foot of the cross, beneath its towering crossbeam, is the place of taking the stand of faith. It's a place of commitment and a place of hope. The word fain there has been changed in a number of hymnals to be gladly or well pleased, which is what the word means sometimes the hymns are a little bit like King James Bible. We don't, we don't know what the words are. But this is about not, I just happen to be at the foot of the cross. But I am, I am cheerfully taking my stand there. The next line, the shadow of a mighty rock within a weary land. This imagery of a place of shelter and protection. And then it continues, a home within the wilderness, a rest upon the way. This is a a respite from the burning of the noontide heat and the burden of the day. The cross and its shadow becomes a place of coping, a place of being protected, a place of dealing with the difficulties and the trials that we encounter day to day. The second verse really grabs my soul. Um, We don't sing it much. We sang it today. There lies beneath the shadow, but on the farther side, the darkness of an awful grave that gapes both deep and wide. Death and the grave is certain. And there between us, meaning we and death, stands the cross, two arms stretched out to say, you see that cross and the crossbeam becomes the arms, really the arms of the Lord. Um, like a watchman set to guard the way, and notice the word here, from that eternal grave. The cross is going to keep us from an eternal grave, an eternal death, ultimately into life. The only thing that stands between us and eternal death is the cross and the grace of God who established it. And then all of these cross hymns have a verse that's really the imagery of Jesus on the cross. The next verse does that. Upon the cross of Jesus, mine eye at times can see the very dying form of one who suffered there for me. Can't help but think of Paul's statement. He was made sin for us who knew no sin, that we may be made the righteousness of God in him, Second Corinthians 5. And from my smitten heart with tears, two wonders I confess. Some hymnals say these wonders I confess. Two is really the way I heard it when I uh, learned this hymn. The, wonders, the wonder of his glorious love and my unworthiness. Those are juxtaposed. 
we've talked about it today. Most of the people that talk talked about we just can't perform. We can't do it. We can't reach the glory of God. We all fall short of that. Some of us terribly short. This echoes for me another hymn, which we sing in the darkness service. Amazing grace, how can it be that you, my God, would die for me, a sinner. So the next verse, I take, O cross, thy shadow for my abiding place. Another one of those King James words, that abiding place, that dwelling place, that place to be. I ask no other sunshine, you're in the shadow of the cross. I ask no other sunshine than the sunshine of his face. That idea of the countenance of Jesus, even in his suffering, it is his love for us. Content to let the world go by, to know no gain or loss. My sinful self, my only shame. My glory, all the cross. I'm not sure that verse can be reset in a different way. I just read it. So, in the shadow of the cross and in its protection and comfort, the world fades. It holds no promise or allure. And we become aware of our own shame. And we find glory in the promise of the cross. If we suffer with Him, we shall also reign with Him. What a beautiful, beautiful hymn. The other one, and both of these were going through my head all night last night. I'd wake up and they'd be there and I couldn't get back to sleep because I'm hearing the words in the song. So I'll be glad not to do any more of these. The second one is When I Survey the Wonders Cross. Isaac Watts, 1707. This song has been sung for a long time. It's based on Galatians 6.14. I'm crucified with Christ. Nevertheless, I live... No. The uh, 6.14 is the verse, uh, God forbid that I should boast except in the cross of Christ my Lord, through whom the world is crucified to me and I to the world. Uh, What I didn't know about this is that this song had five verses originally. The fourth one is missing from virtually every hymnal I can check. And it was bracketed in his original. You know how sometimes the third verse is the one that nobody sings? You know, I once was at a, a hymn sing where all they sang was the third verses of all the songs. It was kind of great. Uh, he bracketed this one because he said it could be omitted. I think what he meant was it could be omitted in a given singing. But they dropped it all together. So I want, I want to basically just read the psalm, but I want to include that, that fourth verse. When I survey the wondrous cross on which the Prince of Glory died, my richest gain I count but loss and pour contempt on all my pride. You can see that, the two wonders there, right? You can hear Paul's statement, I count all things as dung uh, for the knowledge of the Lord. Forbid it, Lord, that I should boast, save in the cross of Christ my God. All the vain things that charm me most, I sacrifice them to his blood. Those things of the past, the things of life, we have to abandon them to realize that we're bought with a price, the price of his blood. See, 
the imagery of the of Jesus on the cross. See from his head, his hands, his feet, sorrow and love flow mingled down. That idea of the blood and the water coming from his side. Did e'er such love and sorrow meet, or thorns compose so rich a crown? The crown of thorns, ultimately, the crown of King of Kings and Lord of Lords. Now the missing verse. Ah, uh, his dying crimson like a robe spreads o'er his body on the tree. Then I am den, dead to all the globe, and all the globe is dead to me. That's a powerful verse. The crimson, like a robe, is his blood flowing, just flowing out of him, spreads over his body on that tree, on the cross. Then, this is established, that I am dead to the globe, I'm dead to the world. And the world, the globe, is dead to me. I, that's a beautiful verse. Now the fifth verse makes great sense. Were the whole realm of nature mine, that is a present far too small. Love so amazing, so divine, demands my soul, my life, my all. What can we give God? Only ourselves. It's not much. But it's all he asks. That he may be glorified in us and that we may share his glory. As the other hymn that we looked at, I'll cherish the old rugged cross till my trophies at last I lay down. I'll cling to the old rugged cross and exchange it someday for a crown. I think the hymns of the cross remind us of the price he paid for our benefit. And we sing them during this season and whenever we hear them from time to time, I hope that we will love him more and more each day in this season of the cross. And we will take it as our dwelling place in this life. I want to remind you again. Uh, see, look at that. I want to remind you again why we have the cross at the back of the sanctuary. None of us could get here except by means of the cross. So the cross is not before us. It's behind us, and the glory is before us. And we're in that framework of suffering with him so that we will reign with him. If we stay mindful of that, I think this will be a great Lent season. The last few years, the Lent season for me, I've just kind of gone through the motions. This year, as I've re struggled with the spiritual disciplines and even in my Lent commitment put it where it was an uneven thing. So I didn't just start it and stop it. I have to start and stop, start and stop, start and stop. It really pulls it back to me that this faith is a struggle and you can't coast. You can't just say, well, I'm there now and I'll just ride the rest of the way. This is going to be a struggle till the day we die. But it's also a resting place, a respite along the way.
Let's pray. Father, we thank you for your word and for these hymns. Grateful, Lord, for the testimonies of the congregation today, because in those ways we are all being reinforced. And so as we praise you and as we worship you and as we think about the songs that we sing and the theology behind them, let these things reinforce our faith, Lord, and let us struggle to be obedient to the faith, knowing that it is okay for us to sometimes just be still and know that you are God, rested in the shadow of the cross. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen.